Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be able to come before you as a people who can seek your face and hear your word and respond to you in obedience because you are a great and holy God. Lord, we pray for those that we don't know, missionaries around the world who are suffering for Christ's sake, planting seeds and some of them just breaking up fallow, hard ground, all paying great price to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to every corner of the globe. Lord, I pray for these missionaries, Lord, that you would be a a comfort to them during this difficult time, that miracles would happen right before their eyes, that people would turn to you, that you would encourage them even now, Lord, that your will would be done, your glory would shine in the remotest, even darkest places in the world. Father, I pray for that even here in this meeting, that we might come together hear your word, be transformed, be moved to obedience because you are a great and holy God. So, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, address those areas of our lives, Lord. Areas where we have fear or there's the unknown or we're concerned. Lord, and move us to trust you. Not for Not for what we want, Lord, but for that your glory would be done. That your will would be done. That your fame would be known. And that you would get all the praise and glory. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Steve. And thank you, team. Um, Today, I thought I would uh, try something different. I'm going to describe a moment that all of us have experienced. But I'm going to describe it biologically. And so what I want you to do is try to figure out the moment that I'm describing. It's going to be a little bit of fun, okay? Some of you will be able to. It's going to be cool. Now, this is, uh, it's, it actually has something to do with what we're talking about, but let's see how you do. Okay, now studies have shown that when this moment happens, the, that the, uh, the brain... Uh, that was activated has a lot of receptors of dopamine. Um, neurotransmitters, that dopamine is neurotransmitters associated with motivation, reward, and pleasure. Those are, um, the study also shows that there's a great deal of overlap between the activity in the brain uh, when doing drugs or smoking cigarettes. That's the kind of uh, equation that they're making. There's a toleration for sleeplessness and a lack of appetite, feelings of exhilaration and focus, all these characterize the first phase when we go through this moment. Um, There's also uh, sort of a chemical cocktail that brews up in the back of the mind, or in the the background of the mind. It's, now I never, I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce this word first. It's phenethy... Thylemine, phenethylamine, P-E-A, right? It's a natural amphetamine, and it elevates your mood. In fact, you feel so jumpy that you can literally feel sick to your stomach, commonly called butterflies. Uh, Next, you have noradrenaline, or adrenaline, a chemical typically associated with the state of emergency, it is a response, it's responsible for your elevated blood pressure and heart rate and an intense focus. Serotonin levels may also be reduced, often as low as someone with a compulsive disorder. Have you figured out what we're talking about yet? Okay. This chemical-charged brain state doesn't last forever. It only lasts for about eight months. Then, uh, while in that time, there's uh, the cloud of critical judgment, the part of your brain that has critical judgment, is literally shut off or reduced. What are we talking about? Falling in love. Yes, that was great, Carmen. It was falling in love. Now, why did I bring that up? What was the point of that? Listen. Did anybody get, like, when I was describing exactly and truthfully and accurately what happens to you biologically, did anybody go like, oh, yeah, that was my experience? <laughs> oh, yeah. You're, you're, you're talking, you know, summer of 72, right? 
Nobody did that, right? You know why? Because it's possible to be accurate and truthful. It's possible to speak rightly about something and yet not hit at the heart of it. Isn't that true? I feel that way about the subject we're going to speak about today. I'm going to do everything in my power to be able to explain and illustrate and tell you true and right things, accurate things from God's word, and it's going to pale in comparison to the beauty of what it actually is. See, because we all know that there are some things in life that can't be explained away appropriately. They have to be experienced. Love is not the only thing. Ice cream, right? You can't properly explain ice cream, right? You have to experience ice cream. And some of us have experienced ice cream a lot. Other things, like you can't explain the joy of love and the beauty of love. You can't explain the exhilaration that happens when you obey Christ in a difficult moment. You can't explain the, uh, the kind of satisfaction that you feel when you share Christ with someone who's far from God. That, those emotions, whether it's ice cream or love, whether it's uh, uh, sharing your faith in Christ or, or, or something else, some, of, some things in life simply have to be experienced. Now, today, we're going to talk about something that simply has to be experienced. And my prayer, of course, is that I would be able to explain it to you in a way that would excite you and, 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 and motivate you. But I want you to know, no matter, even if you're moved to tears, you've got to experience it. So today, we're going to talk about and globally, we're going to talk about the church. Now, when I say the church, the problem is, is a bunch of stuff comes into your mind that has nothing to do with the church or has very little to do with what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the church. Today, I'm not going to talk about the church seated in rows. I'm going to talk about the church seated in circles. I'm going to talk about the church when the church comes together to do life together in discipleship. I'm not going to talk about coming to a building or uh, attending a class or, or, or maybe something that you grew up with. I'm going to talk about what the church is at its best. We're going to talk about discipleship. Now, uh, I want you to open your mind. Um, God, very interestingly enough, doesn't give so much definition as to what discipleship is, discipleship within the context of the church. He doesn't give, he doesn't give definitions. You know what he gives? Examples. He gives descriptions. Uh, not so much descriptions as a model of what the early church was like. Now, uh, before we go to the text that we're going to read, I want you to know what's happening at the time. At the time, uh, Jesus has, uh, we're, we're talking about the book of Acts. We're going to be going to the book of Acts. If you have your Bible, I want you to, and believe me, I want you to bring your Bibles to church. Why do I want you to bring your Bibles? Because God's going to speak to you, and you want to be able to underline, highlight, circle, asterisk, make a comment. God is going to speak to you. And then what happens is a few weeks later, a few days later, when you look back on it and you read that again, you, you remember what God spoke to you. And it's a very powerful thing. So today we're going to look at the book of Acts, chapter 2 specifically. But before we get there, I want you to know what's going on in chapter 2. In chapter 2, part of the chapter 2 that we're not going to read, Peter has come up, has come up to the pulpit. And he has shared Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're ready for this? 3,000 people come to Christ in one moment. Right? So Peter preaches this incredible message. And I got a suspicion that it's longer than the message that we read in the Bible. Right? I mean, it says later on as, Peter, uh, uh, as we read through Acts chapter 2. And with many other words, Peter spoke to them and 3,000 of them were baptized and came to Christ. Could you imagine? I've, I've never experienced something like that. 
where I'm just like, I'm sharing the gospel and 3,000 people come to Christ. I've shared the gospel and like 300 people have fallen asleep, but I've never shared the gospel and 3,000 people have come to Christ. And so it's, what an amazing moment. Well, what do you do with all those people? I know what you do. You know what you do? You have them sit in a row Sunday after Sunday. Don't let them talk about their life's issues or circumstances. Don't let them engage with God's word. Let them leave here just the way they came. Let them go out and want to commit suicide every bit as much as when they came in. That's what they did. They just had them sit in rows. And if we were talking about American Christianity, then that's what, would have, that's what we would say. That's what happens. Just be anonymous, come in, listen to a speaker. It's why people say silliest things to me when I tell them about coming to church. They say, they say silly things like, I can have church all by myself. Well, no, no, that's not true. You can't have church all by yourself. Church is a community of people doing life together, studying God's word, engaging one another, loving one another, serving one another, growing in Christ with one another, doing life with one another, never having to experience the tragedies and the difficulties and the sufferings alone because they have the church. That's what the church is. You can't do that by yourself. You can't possibly do that by yourself. Now, On the same note, at the same time, people say things like this. Oh, you know what? I'll just, I'll just have a church service because I turn on the TV and I'll, and I'll watch Charles Stanley. Or I'll watch, you know, someone else. Pick your person, right? And because in their mind, church is sitting quietly, listening to a message, gathering information that you have no intention of doing anything with, and then going about the rest of your day. And for those people, then that is what church is. Now, listen. Listen. It's very, I, I don't want you to be distracted. I know it's easy to be distracted. Listen to me. The church is more than that. The church is more than chemical reactions that come into your mind and, you know, dopamine gets poured into your brain. The church is more than just um, the, the parts that come together. The church is a miracle. The church is the body of Jesus Christ coming together to serve one another for the glory of God and the awe of all the nations. The church is the most beautiful thing in the world. There's nothing like the local church. The church is the hope of the world. There's nothing like the local church. And so when we we have to, in order to listen to the message that we have today, we have to sort of put aside the mental models that we have about church. Now, here's the thing. In, In today... Do you know that most, most, something like over 80%, right? All the studies show that over 80% of those children who are raised in the American church today, over 80% of them after college or after high school never step into another church, um, never step into a congregation or go to a building where um, the Bible's being taught or anything like that. They don't do it for the rest of their lives. Most studies shows. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You two, you're going to be going to church occasionally. You eight, you'll never step into another church for the rest of your life. You know why? You know why? Because they've been in one. That's why. The reason that they're not coming back again is because they've been to one. And if this, they say to themselves, if this is all you have, if all you have is rows and lectures, if all you have is what we're doing right now, then you've failed in my soul. You're telling me about dopamine and chemicals, and you're telling me of dreams that are far off, but I've never experienced. You're speaking of things I've not yet known. And what I want to do today is tell you about the real church. And hopefully you'll be a part of it.
Now, in Acts chapter 2, Peter has Peter just finished speaking, like I said, to the 3,000. It's an amazing moment, but then they have to figure out what to do with all these people. And so they congregate them together, and they start doing these several things, and it's actually quite beautiful. Now, what we do here, a tradition of ours, is to stand for the reading of God's Word. Now, the reason we do that is because God's Word is something else. It's something other. And so we do that, and we represent that physically by standing, and we are just in awe of God and His Word. So, I want you to look here. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Let's all read it together, okay? We're going to read it all together, because this is just marvelous, right? Okay, 1, 2, 3. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. May God bless the hearing and the reading and the doing of His Word. Please have a seat. So you see, Peter preaches and revival breaks out, which, by the way, I pray for almost every single day. I pray that this church gets revived. I pray that Brooklyn gets revived. I pray that revival breaks out to the degree, and what revival is is a supernatural move of God where people just get open to Jesus Christ and start running to him. I pray that revival breaks out to the degree that somebody gets up out of their bed, starts going to the store for a newspaper, and feels compelled to walk in here because they need Jesus. I pray that revival breaks out to the degree where people will walk to you in your cubicle, in your workspace, in your place of employment, and they would walk up to you and they would say, tell me about this Jesus. I just, I just got to know about this Jesus. I pray that revival breaks out to the degree where you are compelled emotionally to do sin. And God says, I don't want you to go in that direction. And with pain in your heart and tears in your eyes, you walk away from sin because God's spirit is so much better than your sin. I pray that revival breaks out to to such a degree where your relationships and marriages are healed and look nothing like the rest of the world, but look like a God-ordained, beautiful experience. I pray that your marriages start looking like God's relationship with the church. I pray that your revival breaks out to the degree where you see some of your wayward children come home and say, talk to me about Jesus because I need more Jesus. I pray that revival breaks out to the degree where you are spirit-led, spirit-empowered, spirit-encouraged to live the spirit-filled life. I pray that revival breaks out. Peter experienced revival, and when revival broke out, the church met in a way that is just emotional and beautiful. Here's what happened. You just read it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to show you again. They devoted themselves. They, that's the new people, the people who had just um, received this incredible message of Christ. They, those people, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, look up at me. What was the apostles' teaching? Anybody know? It was just the Word of God, wasn't it? They were teaching, they, they were teaching God's Word. So they devoted themselves. You know why they needed to devote themselves? Because from the culture that they were, taking at, they were taken out of, it was just all, it was all contrary to God's will, God's ways. And so they, they devoted themselves to God's Word. And so they saw in God's Word, God's Spirit working in their lives. They were moved to study more. They said, I, I, I got And some of you have experienced that, haven't you? Where you've been able to open God's Word and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm memorizing Scripture and it's getting in me and it's no longer for God so loved the world. It's like for God so 
whoa, 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 I think that's talking about me. It's personal. It's powerful. It moves you. It transforms your heart. It, it removes bitterness. God's word starts to remove old pains and old hurts and you start to address different issues. God's word moves you to live beyond a me-centered life to a Christ-centered life, a me-faming life to a Jesus-faming life, a me-focused life to a God-focused life. It just moves you, God's word does. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is God's word, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Let me tell you something. When the church, when the church is working the way the church, everyone is filled with awe. Unbelievable, like no way. I'm not talking about, uh, I'm not talking about the kind of, oh, when is he going to finish speaking? Or, oh, when is she going to finish that song? Or, oh, when is the band going to stop playing? I'm talking about holy, transcendent, spirit-moving, gut-shaking wonder. We see God move in the lives of people. We see people healed. We see people pray and receive an answer to that prayer. We see God providing. We see God move and nobody can explain it other than God. We just go, only God. Wow, that was only God. Only God could have done this incredible thing. When the church is the church, we see people visited in the hospital and loved well. We see broken hearts mended. We see healings take place. We see miracles transpire. We see the move and the hand of God. We see excitement in the air. We see God move in a way that can only be described as awe. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. I'm going to explain that in a second because it comes up again. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Do you know, by the way, you know miracles still happen, right? Right? You, you understand that miracles still happen, right? God moves in powerful ways. Powerful ways. Some of you have, some of your lives are a testimony to that. All the believers were together and had everything in common. I love that. Isn't that amazing? All the, all the believers were together and had everything in common. You, were you ever, um, did, did anybody here grow up in a house with more than one sibling? Like, you know, there was more than one, right? right? <clears throat> did anybody here have like a brother or sister who liked to borrow your stuff? Anybody? No? Right? Okay, now watch this. Now watch this. Did you like to borrow your brothers and sisters' stuff? Yeah, okay, right. So you were the thief. Okay, great. And so, now watch this. Watch this. When people start taking from each other's closets, now... When they did it to you, you didn't like it that much, right? You know why? Because in your mind, what's yours was yours, and probably what's theirs was yours, right? In your mind, right? And all that, right? That's not what it's talking about. In the early church, everybody had everything in common. Oh, you need a ride here? Take my car. Oh, you need, you need some help uh, with groceries? No problem. What, what were you thinking about? Chicken? And, uh, I'll bring it. Oh, do you need, um, do you need, your kids need to be driven and you have to go to work because you're a single mom? Don't worry, I'll carpool and I'll pick up two single mom's uh, kids on the way to school and I'll just drive them off because I'm going to work anyway and I'm going to do it. Everybody had everything in common. There was a sense where your need was met by, that God, gave, check this out. There was actually a time, there was actually a time when the church when they received more than what they needed, actually believed that it was meant for someone other than them. There was a time when the church believed that when they received more food than they needed, when they received more finances, if you have a savings account, if you have like food in the fridge that's leftovers, if you have, if you have a time that you, you know, you have a car, that you start thinking, wait, 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 wait. How can I bless my church with this? 
Because everything they had, they had in common. You need a jacket? I got, I got, I got two. Here, have a jacket. I remember um, there was this one time, and we're back uh, this quite a few years ago, um, the, the church got together to buy this one guy uh, a pair of brand new sneakers. Um, and this is a true story. I just not, I'm not going to tell you the name. Um, and they bought him a brand new pair of sneakers. I mean, brand new, like the Air Jordan type things. And so it was great. And across the street, before the service, he walked across the street and saw... Uh, a person uh, who had uh, shoes that talked. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right? And so, struck up a conversation with that person. And, and by the end of the conversation, they traded shoes. They traded shoes. The miracle about that moment is that the, the guy who had, you know, he was using... And uh, he had a little girl in, in the carriage that they were walking around. Well, that guy came in. We, we all tried as a community to help that guy stay clean, but he wouldn't. We took that girl in. Turned out to be a boy. Just that long hair, just filthy because just, you know, it turned out to be a boy. That boy is now... Uh, with two parents uh, from this church, the guy still might be using. Why? Why, why did all this happen that that boy got a... And this happened like seven or eight years ago. Kids in high school doing real well, got adopted by that family that took him in. The, 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 two, the couple couldn't have kids, so they adopted him. And just amazing, miraculous stuff. Listen to me. That's what happens when stuff is not yours. When, when, when we don't hold stuff. Well, what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours and never shall the two meet. No, no, no. Something beautiful happens. When the church is the church, they had everything in common. So that your gifting was my blessing. So that my abundance was for you. There was a day when that was commonplace. There was a day when that was normal. Verse 46. Every day, every day, somebody say every day. Every day day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So they, they met in temple courts and then they met in homes. So they had big church and then they had little church. Does that make sense? So which one is this one, big or little church? This is big church. So you, this is like, we're, we're meeting, this is big church, where you're hearing about God's word, where you're learning God's word, where, you, where everybody gets their marching orders for the week, and we get to engage and all that other stuff. But listen to me, if, and this is the, my big thrust for today. Listen to me. When it comes to doing life, not one of us are as good as all of us. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? That when you doing life on your own, sort of a, sort of a, a, just kind of doing life on your own, independently from anyone else, listen to me, if you're married and you're not around other married couples, that's not the way God intends it to be. If you're single and you're not around other Christ-honoring, Christ-loving single, then that's not the way God intends it to be. If you're, if you're uh, uh, divorced and you're not around other people who have experienced the pain and the suffering of divorce, who love Jesus, then that's not how Christ wanted it to be. God wanted us to do life together, together, together. And there was a day when they had big church, big meeting like this, and then tiny church, somebody's living room. Some coffee shop somewhere. Now, they didn't have coffee shops back then, but I'm talking about today, where you would meet, um, uh, um, you know, in somebody's living room, in a coffee shop, in a park somewhere, in a beach somewhere, where just you and a few people get together to do life together, to do discipleship together, to grow in Christ together. Now, listen to me. I know that as I'm speaking to you about this, you can't possibly know what I'm talking about. It's like trying to convince. It's like try, it was like 
it's like trying to convince a five-year-old that marriage is a good thing. It's like, no, uh, I don't want to be with, you know, right? Little boys go, no, I don't want anything to do with girls. And they're right. But when they experience it, it's going to be something else. Listen to me. What I'm doing to you, as I'm explaining something that you just got to experience, there was a time when nobody was lonely, when everybody could share their burdens, when the church met together to not only meet each other's needs, but learn God's word, internalize God's word as they memorized it, and do life together. They shared things in common. They met in the temple courts, and they met in their homes. They had big church, and they had little church. And people were rejoicing. Listen, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. This is speaking of communion. When they, you know, communion. And I, when when uh, when I finally get a house, I'm going to invite you to my house. One of the things that I like to do when I invite people to my house is that during dinner time we have communion. It's precious. Like when you have a good meal. And then at the end, you actually, there's something intimate and beautiful, and you confess to one another around the table, and it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful, but it's only something that, you know, you, you, can, you can only describe it here when you experience it. It's something else, but that's what they did. They ate, and then what did they do? They confessed to one another. They said, you know what? I spoke to my wife in a way that was not Christ-honoring. I didn't help her grow in Christ. I, I, I crushed her spirit. You know what? The way I spoke to my husband was terrible this morning and they would confess it and every day they did this every day listen to me this was so crazy this was so attractive this was so beautiful that it was the church it was the church that people saw and were attracted to and turned the world upside down and they did it in a culture think about this they did it in a culture that was antagonistic towards the gospel that nobody, like, you know, we're, we're at least in a culture where people say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I'm Catholic, I'm Episcopalian, I'm Methodist, I'm Baptist, I'm, you know, Pentecostal, I'm Lutheran, I'm whatever I am, right? We're at least in a culture where we kind of have the home court, right? Most people were like, you know, we're raised in some religious environment. In this environment, nobody, and when they saw it, they were so blown away, but they, they said, give me some of that, give me some of that. I want me some of that. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. See, because the purpose of us doing life together, let me tell you something. If you've ever been in a, in a small group, if you've ever been in a discipleship group, you just, your heart starts to praise God. Your heart just goes, God, you're so wonderful. I can't believe you thought this up. I can't believe that I don't have to do life on my own. I can't believe that I don't have to do this by myself. I get to do it. Listen, I'm not just a person with an eating disorder. I get to be a person who's Christ follower, who hears people speak into my... Not, not just with, hey, here's what I suggest and here's what I think. Here's what God's word says. And this is my experience. Let me confess to you. It's precious. It's unbelievable. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. That means, listen to me, that means at least seven salvations a week. That means every day at least one person came to Christ. Imagine if for the health of this church... Imagine if we said, okay, for the health of this church, the barometer is one person knowing Jesus, one person being baptized and knowing Jesus every day. Oh, I wish that would become a part of our culture. I pray one day, and we're working towards that, where that's the truth. That's actually where we're going. That's actually what we're doing. Listen to me. There was a day when people never had lonely tears. They had tears, but they weren't, they weren't isolated tears. There was a day where people didn't have to go hungry because there was people in the church. There was a day when people shared life to life, memorized scripture, by, studied God's word, let it transform their lives, and it transformed. It was so beautiful, it turned the whole world upside down.
there was a day where God was moving so powerfully that people came up to that group of people. They weren't called Christians yet. They were called, they were sort of in a derogatory way called that, that way. It was so attractive that the whole world would make fun of them and then later on came to them to say, I want me some of that. Listen to me. That doesn't have to be in the past. That day could be today. And so here's, here's, here's how I want you to apply this message. I just, I just wanted to paint a picture of the church and I want you to apply this message. I want you, and you're all pretty faithful of doing big church and all that other stuff, but I want you to just not be satisfied with rows. I want you to get yourself into a circle. I want you to get yourself into a circle that when, that there's no fear of sharing who you really are. That when you go into that circle and you go, I am struggling with same-sex attraction. It's something that's in me. People around the, people around the circle go, you too, me too. Me too. Can we help each other do this together? Can we love one another through this? Can we? And then another person shares, you know what? My wife said she's going to leave me. She's serious. She packed up. She moved to her mom's. Man, I went through that. I went through that. Brother, can I hold your hand? Can we pray about that? Can we? That when, that when you're there, and it's not just, not just sharing the painful stuff, that when someone comes in and says, after 35 years, here's my acceptance letter to college. And you just go, no way. You did, yeah, I just put in 15 applications and I got one acceptance. I'm going. I love that. I love that. And then, we, you know, someone else says, you know, my son is, is graduating high school and he's never, never had a sip of alcohol, never had a toke of anything, never had a snort of anything. And everybody around the group just starts to tear up because the generational curses are breaking right before your eyes. And so there's a power. And so I want you, listen to me. I want you, I want you to break out of rose. Be rebellious. I want you to break out of rose. And I want you to get into a circle. Now, I haven't left you by yourself to do that. I have for you a circle to get into on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Because I don't want you to just take this message and just go home and go, oh, circles, yeah, I'm going to get into circles. Because listen to me, when it comes to doing life on your own, when it comes to doing life on your own, listen to me, and uh, we're not going to put that up yet. Um, When it comes to doing life on your own, not one of us is as good as all of us. We all need each other. You go, I don't need nobody. I'm, I'm good all by myself. No, you don't. Stop it. Stop it. Listen. All of us, all of us, listen to me, all of our marriages need other marriages. All of our singles need other singles. All of our, uh, all of our people struggling with uh, their sexuality, either being promiscuous uh, uh, within heterosexual relationships or going and, 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 and doing uh, other, uh, like, uh, homosexual relationships, wherever you fall in that um, stratosphere, listen to me, all of us need Every one of us need all of us. See, the fact is, is that when you belong to Jesus, you belong to everyone who belongs to Jesus. And so, listen to me. I'm going to help you. And so by the end of this sermon, the win for this sermon, the, the big idea for this sermon, you know that this sermon has Produced fruit is if you are in a circle this week. That's it. Not because you came to church, not because you listened to a sermon, but if you find yourself in a, in a circle. So, circle number one on Monday. On Monday at 6 p.m. Now, this is my discipleship group. Don't call it a class. It's not a Because what's discipleship? Discipleship is, anybody know what discipleship is? It is a intentionally Christ-centered relationship that has three components. It has Bible study, scripture memorization, and life to life. So, 
I want you to get into a circle. Now watch this. You can get into my circle. My circle's getting increasingly bigger. Um, uh, but it's, it's precious. Now watch this. You can get into my circle. It's at Mondays at 6 o'clock. I just taught the first lesson, but if you come on Monday, I'll do a private lesson with you to catch you up to everybody else. And we'll get you, because it's not about a class. It's, we'll do it together. It's Monday, 6 o'clock. Is that, is that the one that you're going to do? Is that the one you're going to do? Write it down if that's the one that you're going to do. Say, you know what, that's the one I'm going to. That works with my schedule. The next one. Now, there's another one on Monday, but again, these are closed groups. Um, I'm not, uh, the reason that I'm asking, I'm, I'm, that once you get into this group, they're closed groups. You, we're not going to allow people in the fifth or six weeks um, to come in. They're going to have to wait for new um, discipleship groups because they're intimate and you do life. And, you know, you, you can't build a relationship with somebody for 10 weeks, right? It's like two and a half months. Now you're sharing some intimate stuff and then a new person walk in and you go, I don't know them. I'm not going to share this intimate stuff. And so, you know, so that, that's the way that works, right? So Monday, you can come to um, Tuesday, Tuesday at 10 a.m. So, so, all right, so some of you, you go, oh, no, I work late or, I, I, you know, I, I won't be able to get here on Mondays at 6. That's a bad time for me, you know. Um, Tuesday at 10 a.m., Pastor Raymond, he has his circle, right? And at 10 a.m., and he also has another one at 5.30 p.m., on Tuesday. And, that's, and what, what are you going to find in that? You're going to find life-to-life scripture memorization and Bible study. So you get to go home and do a Bible study and, and learn from it. And it's just amazing. Wednesday, 10 a.m. and 5.30 p.m., Pastor Ray has another one. So if you can't, so Monday you go, oh, nighttime is no good. In other words, we have it so that there's no excuses. And again, remember, all I've done today, all I've done today is tell you the biology of love. That's all I've done today. You have no clue what, what I'm talking about. When I was, listen to me. I was in my discipleship group with my guys who cried with me. Who, I, I still remember. I still remember. They were helping me move my stuff out of my house because we were sitting in circles. And I remember one particular guy who grabbed me. He said, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing good. Doing good. Listen to me. Just lost my house. Just lost my car. I'm not doing good. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Hug me. Yes, I can. I couldn't put words on that. I remember another guy who, when I needed a moment... And I just walked upstairs. He lifted the heaviest object and took it down the stairs almost single-handedly, honestly. It was a piano. I remember another, <laughs> another guy in my group who played the guitar while it, I don't know, it was 8 or 9 o'clock. It was a ridiculously late hour. We were just so exhausted. He started to play the blues on the guitar making everybody laugh and making me want to smack them with the guitar, right? I remember, I remember, listen to me. I remember the part that every one of those guys played. They weren't, they, when I went to my group and I said, guys, I need to move this stuff out, every one of them, me, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. I remember that when, um, that when one guy in our, in our group, because remember, we're doing life together. He lost a loved one. Every single person showed up to that funeral. Every, every person changed their schedule, moved things around, left a little early, because some of them had, got, um, had a, it was a Thursday, and some of them had the warrior soldiers and men, and they, they did their obligation, and then they ran over, just raced over to comfort this brother. Because... Life happens and it's powerful when we do it together. Because not one of us, when it comes to doing life, not one of us are as good as all of us. And you're going to go through difficult things in life. And it's at those times when you're going to need to have God's word in your heart memorized. Scriptures that you're focusing on, not your circumstances. And doing life to life with people who love you. I can't even explain to you this Tuesday... We were talking about going on a retreat, just us. I, I almost felt giddy 
You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, when, you know, the same feeling that you get when you met somebody that you just, you know, have you ever met, you know, like a new person that you loved and you're going to go pick them up and it's like your first date and you're like butterflies are going and you're like, oh, I'm so excited. When we would talk, I, it was the same feelings. I was like, oh, my gosh, we're going to do it. We're going to do a retreat. This is going to be so awesome. It's going to just be us. I, so Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. Here's Friday. Friday, Pedro's group at 6.30. Is that a.m. or p.m., Pedro? P.m. Okay, so 6.30 p.m. Um, this one's a co-ed. And, and by the way, everyone that I just told you is co-ed um, at 6.30 p.m. on Fridays. So you can make that one. Um, uh, uh, it, was I right about that? Is it co-ed, uh, Pedro? Yep, okay. Um, Saturday is Louisa. Now, the reason I said that those four were co-ed, because this fifth one, Louisa, at 9 a.m., it's just for women. You go, you know what? I'm a woman. I have woman issues. And I don't want to talk around no men about my woman issues, right? And, and, and I don't want you to, you know, talk about it. Uh, at 9 a.m. on Saturday, you come, you hang out with Louisa, and to, now, by the way, every single, every single one of these discipleship groups will be memorizing the exact same scriptures, will be going through the same uh, Bible study. We'll be doing, the only thing that will change, of course, is the life to life, right? And it's just, you know, and so, you know, if I'm a girl, I want to be in Luis's group, right? Any girl who has more tattoos than, like, uh, uh, Dennis Rodman, I want to be around, right? And so, okay, so um, uh, that was probably not going to make it to the 11:15 service. But okay. Um, and then Sunday, you go, "Oh no, I can't do it any of these days. I can't do it any of these days. All I got is Sunday." Well, you Sunday, you're here already. Sunday at 1 p.m. Shelly is at 1 p.m. um doing her women only group. And so she's starting that uh soon. Listen to me. Listen to me. You can do this. You can do this, and you can experience the kind of joy that we're talking about here. Now, we're almost done, but before we go, I want uh, Chris to come up and share his testimony. Um, and then I'm going to, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be really awesome. Yeah, absolutely, right? Yeah. And so Chris is going to come, share his testimony, and then I'll come back and give us some final. Good morning, church. Good morning. All right. I'm very grateful to, to be here and to, uh, to share with you what Jesus Christ has done in my life, okay? So, um, assurance of answered prayer. When there was nowhere left for me to go and I was flat on my back looking up, I cried out to God over and over, and he showed up. This was three months after I accepted Jesus Christ into my life. I didn't know him very well then. He was not my Lord, and heroin was still my Savior. I knew nothing then about the sovereignty of God how he would use my drug addiction to bring me to 12-step meetings where I would meet other members who would take me to a church, where on that day, January 1st, 2011, I would answer the call and my life would be altered forever. After three months of coming to church where I stood crying in the front row of this very room while I had men of God and pastors holding me and praying over me, I got high. I made a drug deal right here during a Sunday night service on my phone, and for months after, I used drugs. I turned my back on God, but he is so awesome, and he had a bigger plan for my life. John 16:24. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Yeah. Help came after a meeting I was supposed to speak at. It was a Wednesday night. I never showed up because I was using drugs in my apartment. There was a knock on my door. It was my church. They came to help me. I didn't answer the door. I sat there in silence until they left. Why in the world would these people come to help me, I thought. I now know that God works through people. These people were there that night answering the calling on their lives so that I could be standing here today answering the calling on mine. Wow. That's the way God works. I called, he answered, and he came to my rescue. For the first time ever, I had hope. Today, I'm clean one year, seven months, and 19 days. Wow. Praise God. I live to serve the God who brought me here and am committed to helping others just like me who had no hope until help arrived. 
Today, by God's grace and mercy, I am being used to be a part of someone else's answered prayers. Before I go, I just wanted to read something. This is by a pastor, Bill Hybels, and I love this. And It's called, The Local Church is the Hope of the World. Pastor Edmund was just speaking about it a little bit. It's amazing. There is nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of the community. It builds bridges to seekers and offers truth to the confused. It provides resources for those in need and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, and the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addictions, frees the oppressed, and offers belonging to the marginalized of this world. Whatever the capacity for human suffering, the church has a greater capacity for healing and wholeness. Let's all be the hope of this world. Thank you. Amen. So would you get in a circle? Would you stop doing life on your own? Chris is in a circle. And God is moving in powerful ways. Experience it. I encourage you. Let's pray. Father, I know that no matter what I say here, I'm speaking of the biology of love. Nothing is like experiencing it. And so I thank you for the experiences of the local church. I thank you for Rose when we get to hear God's word taught. I thank you for the men of God that you brought to this church to hear God's word taught. But Lord, I'm so grateful for circles. I'm so grateful for our discipleship groups. I'm so grateful for the people who get together to not only study God's word and to memorize your word, but to do life to life. Because not not one of us can do life as well as all of us. And so, Father, you're good. I pray, Lord, for those who are on the fence, for those who are convinced that unless they get an engraved special invitation, that they ain't going to show up to any of one of these things, that we could give them seven opportunities or 700 opportunities, they ain't going to do it. I pray for them, Lord. I pray, Lord, that the next time that they suffer, that they would be reminded of the pain and the loneliness of suffering and the beauty of being able to suffer with others if they would just get into a discipleship group. Father, I pray for those who are sort of, you know, wondering and trying to figure out their schedule. Lord, I pray that you would push them over the edge and that they would actually do that which you've called them to do. Lord, I pray every single person here would finish this message by doing it, by getting into a circle. Father, I... I ask in Jesus' name for those of who are already in circles, who are in discipleship groups, Lord, I pray that our groups would be lights and beacons, discipleship groups that would show off the glory and the majesty of the local church because there's nothing like the local church when the local church is working right. Thank you, O oh God, for hearing our prayer. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.